phone away but it's podcast time it's podcast time put your fucking phone away before you get the glock now uh, i was i was taking care of something <laughs> take care of these nuts uh welcome back everybody this is virtual tavern my name is adam edgar joined by hunter chambliss how's it going everybody okay uh, welcome back i was trying to do like a like a god what kind of voice was i doing Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is KOZZ, Reno's classic <laughs> rock. That's what I was trying to do. I had to think about it for a second. Um, but yeah, welcome back. We are, of course, done with the Matrix trilogy. Fucking finally. Like, that took like three months. It took a while. I think we started in August. No, no, uh, we started in... When did we start? It might have been August. It was, if if it wasn't August, it would have been like late July. But I, I mean, th- I think it was late July. With the way that our our days off hit, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Plus, I mean, we we did go into detail yeah. with quite a bit of it. It was like seven or eight episodes, so seven or eight weeks. Yeah, God, that's like a whole. That's like half a semester of college. <laughs> Jesus, uh, thank God it's finally fucking over. But uh, obviously, we don't have a talking point recap this week because we finished the whole trilogy. Um, this week we are going into the Animatrix. Uh, the Animatrix, if you guys don't know, we're trying to finish all the Matrix like media that we can. Um, so the Animatrix is like a, if you ever watched Halo Legends, it's like an anthology film series that's like loosely based in canon with different animators and shit. Yeah. For each episode. Um, kind of like Love, Death, Robots a little bit, if you, if you know that. Yeah. And for me, this was, this was the first time watching this uh we'd kind of talked about it before but um i had never actually like sought it out to um be able to check it out so it was it was cool seeing the matrix in a different light rather than you know the same movie series that i've i've known since i was a kid yeah you had no idea that this existed until i showed it to you (laughs) not a fucking clue um but yeah we're excited to get into this uh after this we're going to be covering matrix 4 we wanted to cover that in like its own separate vacuum because obviously Matrix 4 was like 20 years after the original movies had concluded. Yeah, and for me, I get that it is it is technically still Matrix, but because of all the changes and things that they did to it, it doesn't feel like it it fits with the rest of them. Like, it is its own entity, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah it, it was just best to like kind of like quarantine it off from the, <laughs> the rest yeah. of the movies. Like, hey... Go in your corner. <laughs> no one like going out of here, excludy. No <laughs> one likes you. Um, but yeah, we usually like to do a little talking point recap, but because we're starting a new series, that obviously isn't. So at the end of this, we'll just do a little recap of this episode, like what we thought and everything. Yeah. Um, emails. We did not. Actually, we did. We got one email this week. Um, before I get into this, if you would like to send us an email um, about anything, questions, comments, or just anything on your mind. If you send us an email, we will read it on the podcast. Our email is contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com. 
our email this week is the subject line is it has to be said from Kay Ellen. So we got Kay Ellen again. Her email is hi again. I have nothing insightful to share. I just needed to say that the Oracle is in Smith is in Neo. I'm sorry, but is no one going to acknowledge the turducken in the room? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> what the fuck is a turducken? <laughs> so it's a turkey inside of a duck inside of a chicken. So... <laughs> <laughs> basically, I'm basically what she's saying is those three things were all inside of each other. So we should have we should have brought it up. Was Kaylin's point? <laughs> I was reading the email. I'm like, what the fuck is a turducken? I've never heard that word before. Yep, it's a turkey inside of a duck inside of a chicken. That is actually a perfect analogy. So I know. Well done, Kaylin. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was when we were finishing up the Matrix Revolutions, and we were talking about how everyone's inside everyone's e- each other's guts. Yes, everyone's <laughs> up in each other's guts, baby. Stop being in each other's guts. God damn it. Uh, thank you for the email, K. Allen. Keep sending them. Uh, and don't worry if you're not a Matrix fan. We are pretty much done with it. Almost like one more episode, and then we're going on to greener pastures. Yes. Um, we'll be moving on to uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runner after this, I believe. Yep. We're gonna cover because it's like we're trying to do things in canonical order or in release order. Like with the Matrix, we try to do release order with the animatrix there are it kind of bounces timelines a lot yeah but i mean that's kind of expected because it wasn't written out to be just one whole um complete story start to finish it was written by multiple people uh just to have different views and ideas of the matrix yeah so with the cyberpunk we are i obviously want to try to make it canonical so edge runners the anime if you never watched, it takes place like a year or two before the events of Cyberpunk 2077. I think so. Yeah, it's something like that. It's really close. Yeah, it's very close. So uh, we obviously wanted to like start where, even though it came after the video game, uh, I would like to start where the universe begins canonically, just to kind of like follow in a linear fashion, not yeah. bouncing all over the place. And especially with as in-depth as uh, Cyberpunk the, the game is, it'll be good for us to go from the beginning of what we know and follow it on through. Otherwise it's going to get super messy and yeah, it's going to get way too convoluted. Yeah. So um, yeah. Thank you for the email. Let's go ahead and get into what we're talking about. So the animatrix, obviously it's an anthology series like made by different animators and shit. And I think there's seven episodes in yeah. this, in this little, it's an hour and 40 minute long, like movie but all the episodes are just kind of crammed into it. It's not like you select an episode or whatever. So the first episode that it starts off with is it's called the second Renaissance part one. Um, This first two episodes, the second Renaissance part one and two, it goes into the backstory of the human and machine war. Yeah. Which for this first part, when I was uh, watching it, I was kind of like, you know, it doesn't really feel, super matrixy but i didn't con- you know consider the fact that this was before um all hell fucking broke loose right because this is this is building up to that point where it kind of has more of that familiarity to it yeah so what happens is we're greeted with like this weird database looking like almost like a a, a lotus flower inside a computer mainframe and there's this like 
enchanting god like a vishnu goddess or something like some kind of indian goddess that appears and apparently she's like the data mainframe for zion's like archives, archives. Yeah. yeah so i guess we're in the our viewer is in the perspective of someone accessing zion's archives to learn more about the human robot war yeah, kind of the way that I'm seeing it, because it's showing her as, you know, this goddess-like um, entity. Uh-huh. It's kind of like uh, being a net runner going into going into the net. Oh. Like, you're actually getting to walk around. Okay, that's that's, that's how of, I envision it. That's a kind of a cool analogy. So, yeah, this... I forget her name, um, but she's like this data data mainframe goddess. She's She's the narrator for these first two episodes. And... So, but that doesn't make any, let's, before we get too far into this, it's kind of a retcon that we know this much about the human robot war, because in the first matrix, Morpheus states specifically, we don't know much about the history. All we know really is that the, we, we were the ones that darkened the sky. We don't know who fired the first shot. True. But I, 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 I was going to say they don't show who fires the first shot, but they do in this. Um, cause technically you start seeing the humans here later on in this, this specific part, um, start killing the machines, but, oh yeah, the humans definitely fired the first shot. Yeah. So I guess they kind of change it canonically, but I mean, it makes sense. You need, you need somewhere to start. They can't just have it to where it's like, oh yeah, we're at peace. And then, you know, fucking, uh, cut to the next scene and it's just fucking bullets flying left yeah. and right. So it's a little bit of a. A thing that doesn't make sense in the canon, but you know what? Fuck it. We're having a good time. It's even though, oh, excuse me, even though Morpheus said in that first movie, we don't know much about the history. And here we are accessing the Zion archives and it tells us exactly what happened. Yeah. Whatever, you know, but let's have a good time. Well, I mean, it could also be that there, this could be more like theorizing what happened, like leading up to oh. it. Oh, it could, it might not be like a perfect, uh, recreation. Re exactly. Okay. I, I, I can understand it if it's like attempting to make sense of what happened. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's going to be my headcanon for this. Okay. Well, anyway, let's get past that. So, um, the narrator, the site, the cyberspace lady, I'll just call her cyberspace goddess. <laughs> so the cyberspace goddess is narrating. Cyberspace the, mommy. So <laughs> cyberspace mommy. The cyberspace goddess is narrating, telling us how machines came into existence so it's showing us a futuristic world, maybe like 2177, maybe like 100 years, you know, yeah. forward in future from our current time. Because they have, they have fully automated machines, skyscrapers that are like uh, the fifth element level, you know, yeah. that are like, like five times higher than any building that we have, you know, typical sci-fi dystopian cities. Yep. It's way in the future. Um, and machines are acting as like the servants, the, the, the mean, the menial manual labor of humans. Like they were showing hundreds of them, like dragging these big ass, like shipping containers, <laughs> kind of like the pyramids, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of really gives a, gives a glimpse as to like how the humans saw them. Like they, they were strictly, um, laborers or, you know, man built slaves essentially. Yeah. They're hosting dinner parties and getting pushed around because they're just machines. They don't feel anything. Mm -hmm. And the uh, digital cyberspace goddess is talking about how eventually machines just kind of assimilated more and more information about humans. 
and how they became a little bit more aware of how they're being mistreated. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too, because we see that there's this, uh, this worker robot that's just hanging out, watching the news about this, um, I don't know, Butler, I guess. Is yeah. What he he, looks he's like. a Butler robot. It looks like, yeah, he's yeah. got a collar on and a bow tie and, and, and he kills us. He kills his owner. Yeah. So it's this whole news story going on about like what to do with these uh, these robots, and we get to see a really gruesome scene where he just like straight up tears this dude's skull in half. Yeah, and then the brain pops out like it's a fucking <laughs> fruit gusher. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the machines, the the narrator, the the digital cyberspace goddess, is talking about how the machines were built in the image of man. Is it not? Pl- implausible that they were built with the spirit in the heart of man that they could think like man yeah what separates a machine from human you know that whole cyberpunk kind of theme where what is real you know yeah and it kind of starts to separate like the people that are um sympathetic with the machines and not wanting them to get shut down and killed to the mm-hmm. ones that are completely against it like it, it almost causes like kind of a civil war sort of thing yeah so Obviously, more and more machines are be- like becoming self-aware, right? It's basically Terminator. It's basically iRobot. The greats, the goat, the goat. <laughs> uh, you've seen it a million times in a different in hundreds of other sci-fi films, right? AI becomes a little bit more self-aware, and then it begins to realize how it's being mistreated, and then humans react violently. You know, yep. they overreact. Uh, there's protests, you know, beginning to happen for like robot rights. And it's also it's very much similar to like the Boston Massacre, right? You know the the riot zombies. I almost said riot zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I heard it. The the SWAT comes out. You know, civilians start getting killed, and tensions just gradually start escalating more and more. You know, robots are being killed everywhere. There's fucking tanks like bulldozing a protest and just runs over one of the robots. Like, no, no, ah, ah. <laughs> I want to live, damn it! I want to live. <laughs> Um, yeah, more and more robots. And here's a pretty gruesome scene. There was a robot dressed as a woman. And yeah, it's like an android. Yeah, like an android, you know. And she gets caught by a bunch of bunch of a bunch of gang members and they just beat the shit out of her. You uh, initially when I watched this, I'm like, dude, they're just fucking killing and raping this woman, but then they beat her and gradually her skin falls off and you realize it's a robot. Yeah, slowly but surely fucking <laughs> Miss Terminator starts to show a real her real fucking uh personality underneath, you know. Yeah, it's it's really sad. She's like, "I'm real, I'm real." Shotgun blast to the back. Yep, you're dead. Um, but yeah, this keeps going on with the episode, like mass graves of fucking robots and everything. You know, just really escalating things. And I think this is where the machines build their own. Yeah, this is where the machines build their own like little sanctuary city in the. What's called the Cradle of Civilization. I think it's like Mesopotamia. Yeah. In Central or no, East Asia. It's it's like where Iraq and Iran and uh that little cradle of civilization. I forget where exactly it is. But they build their city as like a little sanctuary. It's called Zero One. Yeah. Of course it's called Zero One. Because <laughs> <laughs> it had to be fucking binary code. Yeah. What ends up happening is all the machines start going to the city. And they kind of like become self-sufficient. They start building their own products, you know, like flying cars and probably cell phones and everything. Yeah. They start exporting these goods and they put humans out of business. 
Pretty much, yeah. Like, um, they start selling all their products to the humans, which is starting to, you know, this goes to the fucking classic uh, South Park meme of, they took their jobs! They took my jobs! <laughs> yeah, they show a scene with, like, the stock market, you know, um, all these different stockbrokers are freaking the fuck out because they're getting outbid and outtraded by the machine city. <laughs> so countries around the world are just getting undercut um, because they can't compete with the machine goods. They're probably sold at a lower cost and everything. Yeah. Know? And uh, <laughs> of course, the countries of the world, what do they do? They blockade the fucking zero one the country of zero one so they can't export goods anymore yep <laughs> they do a fucking naval blockade <laughs> to block any exports coming out and this is when we have the machines try to have one last little olive branch yeah where like two machine ambassadors come to the united nations and this is like our last chance to offer you guys peace yep and of course the humans don't fucking take it no of course not they're gonna try to fucking fight and rebel as hard as they can um, so I noticed this, there's a symbol, there's sim a lot of symbolism, just like the original matrix movies uh -huh. in, in this show, like the lady ambassador, the robot ambassador is holding an apple and this apple is shown later on in the episode. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil it right now, but I, we talked about how the matrix movies had like a lot of Jesus and religious symbolism. In my personal opinion, I think that apple is like Adam and Eve when they ate didn't they eat the apple from the garden and that's what set off the chain of events for yeah. like the apocalypse and damnation and i my my bible my religious knowledge is very rusty but isn't that essentially what happens basically yeah like eve was tempted to eat the apple by the snake which was lucifer incarnate oh it was the first sin yeah that's what that's what it was okay so in my opinion the apple dropping that's symbolism for humanity committing the first sin like they're they're gonna go take those human those robot ambassadors away probably disassemble them or kill them yeah and that's like the final straw that starts the human robot war because up until the, up until now it hasn't been a war it's just been like riots and you know genocide and everything but not a full-blown war yeah it's just kind of been more like um almost like gang war kind of style gang beasts <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why that popped in my head uh, that's actually the end of the first episode, and now we go to the second Renaissance Part Two, and this is where um shit me. gets real. Shit gets fucking real. <laughs> oh God, that Red Bull's making me burp. <laughs> I can't stop. You always bring up your burps. I know. <laughs> uh, so now pretty much the war is in full effect, right? The humans start nuking and bombarding Zero One. But that unfazes the robots. They don't care about nuclear radiation or heat or extreme temperatures. They're going to walk it off. Yeah, exactly. So that was extremely stupid to them. That wages war. And the machines start pressing outward. They start invading, like, Europe and Asia and South America. Or not America, South Africa. They start expanding out and start destroying and taking over human cities. Yeah. Uh, and the humans, they just keep getting steamrolled, right? They they keep getting pushed back and back because the machines are just so technologically advanced, and the humans they come up with like a last ditch effort, and that's Operation Darkstorm, which we talked about this hunter. Yep, it's a stupid fucking idea. Yep. So this is where we as humans think, hey, it's gonna be a great fucking idea. The the sun is their primary source of energy, so we're gonna darken the fucking sky. 
which also makes it where we can't grow crops. So we've brought we've talked about this quite a bit um in previous episodes. And the point that I have with it is okay, cool. Even if it worked, even if they managed to wipe out the fucking machines, how do you undarken the sky? How do you get the fucking black shit to are, go away? Are we forgetting about hydroelectricity? Are we forgetting about wind energy? Yeah, like these machines are clearly very fucking intelligent. I mean, they made their own fucking civilization. You think they're not going to be like, oh, hey, there's a fucking dam here. I'm just going to plug this into my ass. Yeah. What's stopping machines? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. What's stopping machines from creating their own nuclear reactors or whatever? Like blotting out the sun. I mean, obviously, oh, come on. This was the early 2000s. You know, they weren't thinking about things like that as much as we are now. Yeah. They just wanted to make a cool action film. But for me, it's just like that. That's like shooting yourself. That's like nuking a city to kill one person. I don't know. That's it's just it's fucking stupid. But anyway, back to the film. You know what? I wiped out that school bus, but I got Osama. <laughs> God damn. Uh, back to the film. We have a few like little quick scenes here and there, and it shows the progression of the war. And now I want to say maybe we're like a year or two into the war. Humanity is like dark and grim. You know, everyone's very militaristic. You've got fucking trenches with soldiers, you know, and like Catholic priests and, you know, uh, what was it? Buddhist monks each giving prayers because they're about to go charge the machine front lines. Yeah. It's fucking metal as hell. And we get to see like the first version of the APUs. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Um, they're a bit more armored up than what we see in the later generations, but you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how they compare, um, with this model versus how uh, the ones that we saw in the actual movies themselves um, kind of work out. Yeah. In, ca- in case you don't know what we're talking about, I say APU, uh, Armored Personnel Unit. Unit. There we go. Uh, mechs. Okay. So in the, in the last Matrix film we watched, we saw the mechs defending Zion. And it's interesting because I'm assuming they're the exact same model as these ones. But like you said, they don't have an exoskeleton armor. Yeah. And that's probably because when we get to the final battle of Zion in that movie, the third Matrix movie, you know, they don't have materials to make armor like that anymore. All they have is the endoskeleton. Is it possible that what we saw in that last film, like the mechs that they had, is it possible that some of them were scrapped from the original models? Uh, Absolutely. Because think about it. We have the same ships, right? Right. Zion is like the last city of the human race. Yeah. The war has been going on for hundreds of years. They don't make new products. They don't make new weaponry besides the electricity gun, I guess. Yeah. But they don't make new weapons. They don't have the resources to, you know, make new mechs, make new models of ships. So they're using stuff that is way outdated, way antiquated, and is probably from the beginning of the war. Probably. Like, think about it. Think about, like, an apocalypse movie, like, Fallout's not a good reference because that game gets crazy. Like, imagine a nuclear war happened, right? Yeah. And you're scavenging around maybe 100 years after the war. You're not going to be inventing new weapons. Like, in 21, 21, 23, 100 years from now, let's say a nuclear war happens, and 100 years from now, they're still going to be using AR-15s. They're still going to be using, you know, the weapons that we have today. Yeah. (laughs) So, it's kind of the same mentality I have here is, right? Like, they're not going to be making new models of mechs. They're going to keep using the same ones that they had at the beginning of the war and just maintain those ones, you know? Yeah. 
So yeah, I, I think 100% these are the same models of mechs that they had, you know, at the beginning of the war, as we saw in the third movie. They just don't have the materials for that exoskeleton. And I wonder too, if maybe because they're, you know, down uh, underground, if they had to have that armor taken off because it would have gotten too hot for the the people inside so it would have cooked them oh yeah you're right because they are like closer to the earth's core exactly so that that end that exoskeleton armor but yeah it could have cooked them up um but yeah we go back to the humans like getting ready for the final push the president's on the fucking you know tele television like make your america proud and everything <laughs> we will make humanity great again <laughs> <laughs> we <will> make- jesus <laughs> So the humans initiate Operation Darkstorm. They blot out the sky. And this is where things get heavy metal as fuck. Like, we have the fourth horseman of the apocalypse, a machine uh, rider riding in a, like a, I don't know how to describe this. It's, it's a horse, but it has, like, the machine, like, squid head. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like the first version of a sentinel. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's got that sentinel face. So it's a machine blaring a war trumpet through a battlefield which is cool as fuck. We see a charge of hundreds of fucking mechs and, you know, human soldiers. And at first, the, the, the battle's going good, right? They're making headroom. They're killing the machines. But these are older models of machines. As the war goes on, the machines, like, evolve themselves and level up. And yeah. Because machines obviously can learn a lot faster than humans. They can innovate a lot faster. And as the battle progresses, we see more and more advanced scenes getting popped out with fucking lasers. Yeah, with freaking laser beams attached to their freaking heads. <laughs> we, I want a freaking tripod with laser beams attached to its head. <laughs> um, but yeah, the machines just start creating more and more advanced versions of themselves, and the humans can't keep up. No. They're, they're fighting with tanks and mechs, and we, we see how easily the humans just get fucking steamrolled by these new, newer versions of the machines. Yeah, we start seeing all of these APUs that, you know, were probably holding up pretty well at the beginning of this fight, just getting ripped apart by uh, the Sentinels and all these these newer um, robots coming out with um, the tentacle whips and shit. Yeah, like early versions of the Sentinels. Yeah. And humanity's getting pushed back, you know, they're fucking dying and like mass numbers. There's nothing that we can do. They're just steamrolling us. The mechs are getting like ripped. There's this really gruesome scene where one of the tentacle machines rips open the canopy of an APU. The rider's still like strapped inside (laughs) and the tentacle grabs him and rips him out. Yeah. The entire time he's just like, Oh God, help me, help me. And you just watch his body get ripped from his limbs. Yeah. Jesus. His limbs are strapped in, so it just grabs his torso. Yeah. <laughs> it separates it from his body. Um, but obviously, the machines win the war. There's nothing that the humans can do. They put up a good fight. And this is where we see the machines experimenting on the humans, trying to find an alternate energy source. And this is the, the prelude to the very first Matrix films. Like, we're almost coming full circle now. Yeah, the... Uh... Uh, the cyberspace goddess, she starts talking about how the machines have been studying, you know, their their enemies for a long time and their protein bodies have a way of generating energy. So they're going to try to find a way to utilize that, which, as you said, Adam, uh, brings us to the first version of the Matrix where we're just nothing more than uh, sentient batteries. Yeah. So there's like a United Nations panel. It's the the last stand of the human race, like the official governments. And they're trying to sign like a, a, a surrender. 
you can kind of see it right here if you zoom in far enough. It's like a distribution of surrender. Or I, I can't quite read it, but it's something about surrender. The humans are offering like a like they're they're waving the white flag, like, all right, machines, you won. Please don't kill us all. We surrender. Yeah. And the machine ambassador comes and he, and actually signs it, but in barcode, which is kind of cool. But uh, the machine says, hand over your flesh and a new world awaits you. We demand it. And just detonates itself. Yeah. <laughs> and, like nukes the whole building. And when you think about it, the way that it had it worded, hand over your flesh and a new world awaits you. They're talking about putting us in the matrix. Yeah. That's the first hint of it right there. Mm hmm. And here we go again. What's she holding? A fucking apple. Holy shit. I didn't notice that the first time we watched it. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. She, the, the, the machine ambassador, who is now a full-on squidbilly fucking uh, <laughs> sentinel. <laughs> Take them to the, the movies. movies. Uh, the machine is holding the apple. And I, I, I forget what this like you know document, whatever scroll that she's holding in the other hand yeah. represents. But... Um, it's coming full circle, right? Now the apple was in their hand, and now maybe they're committing their first sin. Yeah. If, if you can perceive it. Like the machines are committing their first sin. Yeah, because, I mean, like, you know, we're, we're trying to finally be smart about this and negotiate some kind of a peace, and uh, he acts like he's going to help us out and um, make it where both sides can coexist, and then it's just like, you know what? Fuck it. Auto-detonate. Boom! <laughs> yeah. Um. There's theories, Hunter, that this sentinel right here is the Oracle. Ooh. I, I don't put too much stock in that, but it's nice. It's co something cool to think about. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So the machine ambassador detonates itself, fucking nukes the United Nations building. And now the entire world is a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Oh, man, I didn't know we were in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were in Detroit. <laughs> I didn't know we were in Portland. <laughs> Uh, but now officially everybody is in the matrix. I, I'm assuming Zion still exists or whatever, but 99% of humans are now plugged into the matrix. Yeah. And the machine war is essentially over. They've won. Yeah. Um, the, the database, what do we call her? The database goddess, the yeah. Cyberspace goddess, cyberspace goddess. She's kind of, kind of narrating, coming it to a full close. She touches one of the matrix pods. She definitely has empathy for the humans that are stuck in the matrix. Um, but yeah, we see the big ass columns of hundreds of thousands of humans. I have a theory. What if cyberspace goddess is the actual Oracle? Oh, I didn't think about that till just now. That would make more sense since she's willing to help the humans in pretty much every, you know, um, rendering of, uh, the matrix. And we see her right there, like showing empathy for the humans that are just plugged into this giant fucking battery that's a cool theory to think about i never thought about that um so that ends the second renaissance part one and two like this <clears throat> the animatrix really comes out with a banger yeah like i re i really liked that backstory and everything of the matrix and you know how the human robot war started how it ended and how we got here to where we are now yeah it was cool to be able to have like uh more info i guess as to what happened like be able to actually watch it as opposed to just be told oh yeah there was a war they blanked the sky then we died yeah uh so now we go to episode three and before i get into it i just want to say this the animatrix has some really awesome episodes 
But there's also some really fucking stinkers in here. Yeah, some of them aren't that great. I mean, like, <clears throat> they're interesting takes on it, but weren't really necessary, in my opinion. Yeah, so if we skip over one and we only spend, like, three minutes on it, that's because there's not much to talk about or just... It yeah. wasn't our cup of tea. We didn't really jive with it, so... Yeah, and I, I can already think of one that we're probably going to click on. Yeah, that. we'll just glance over it. There's some really fucking go- good ones in here because they they all vary dramatically in art style and directing direction. Yeah. Um, this, <laughs> directing direction? Directing direction, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> uh, but this this third episode is called Program. And I think, in my opinion, this is probably one of the best ones. Yeah, this one's really cool. It's set in like a feudal Japan art style. Everything's kind of like cell shaded, really dark darks and really bright, vibrant, you know, colors. Yeah. You know, that contrast and everything. It's like a comic book. And we're, we are introduced to, we don't know her name yet. And I actually can't remember it right now off the top of my head, but she's got like a cross Naginata spear. She's riding into battle against four other horsemen. They're all in Japanese, you know, themed or like samurai-ish kind of armor. Yeah. And what's cool is as she's slicing through them, they all break down into code. Yeah. So that's your first indication. Like, oh, okay. She's in a program. Yeah. She's, she's is, in the this matrix. This is training. Yeah. And she she kills all them. And then someone else shows up. I forget his name. Uh, I think his name is Duo, if I remember correctly. You're right. right? Yeah, it says Duo right here. And... She he shows up and says, "Your favorite simulation. Do you want to spar as you wish?" And they go into this really cool. Oh, here comes the 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 fucking rows of yes. Like when Neo said, "I need guns, lots of guns." Yeah, and the fucking rows of guns just go fucking flying past him. It does that with like the Japanese archway when they go into a new location. Yeah, that was a cool effect. Um, whoever did the animation on this episode really needs some fucking kudos. Honestly, like the style of it kind of reminds me of Lady Death a little bit. Dude, it does look like Lady Death. Like the like the bright contrast between, you know, cell shading dark and the bright colors and Yeah. That it It's very comic book esque. Like you you hit the the nail right on the head with that. Yeah. So they're both sparring, they're both riding the horses through this like landscape and everything. And they're talking about how she's kind of holding back. And he kind of calls her on her bluff saying, it's because you, you don't want to be here, huh? You want to go back back to the Matrix and everything. And she's like, it has crossed my mind. Yeah. I mean, the, the way that she words it is it crosses everybody's mind, you know, once or twice once you're out. Because, I mean, it, it, things are simpler when you're in the Matrix. You don't have to worry about as much. Like, you just simply exist. Yeah. So now we know that they're in a training simulation. Uh, they're in a training simulation. And they're both freed minds from the matrix and they're both contemplating and talking talking about like do you regret coming out of the matrix and you know most people do have that lingering doubt yeah like did i really make the right decision and duo finally starts opening up says listen to me i have something i want to talk to you about and he says he's going back to the matrix and he starts going on this monologue come with me and you realize that oh shit We've seen this before. Yeah, this is clearly Cypher. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, not literally him, but it, it's someone that has the same line of thought as him. Like, I want to go back. Yeah. So he has pulled a Cypher, and he's basically sold out um, the humans to try to get, like, an a, a entry ticket back to the Matrix. Yeah. And 
this obviously creates a division between them and they start fighting uh and they say come to your senses i don't really care what the truth is anymore when i took the i always get this confused is it the blue pill no it's the red pill the red pill takes you out yeah The, the red pill takes you out of the matrix like when i took the red pill duo goes on the monologue i i wanted to know the truth but now i don't care anymore yeah you know what is reality what is truth you know if the fake world is as much as real as the real world then i don't care yeah so they get into this uh really cool fight they start jumping on top of the rooftops very stylized the whole sky box is red yeah i love that just that visual and then the moon in the background mm, this is like a, this could be like a fucking cool ass poster right here oh yeah with and oh go ahead i was just gonna say uh with them you know going across these uh these rooftops duo starts yelling at her running away isn't going to change anything and she points out that he's technically the one that's running away because he's trying to run back into the matrix as Uh opposed to facing the machines and taking care of business yep so they get locked into uh combat with their katanas her katana sadly breaks they're jumping around buildings and everything she's screaming operator get me out of here but Duo says, I've cut off every communication, and you can't fight from the truth. I won't look away from the truth. I can't. And Duo, that's too bad. They engage in a, uh, like a stare down. Yeah. And then they, I forget her. I really wish I, I knew her name right now. But Duo goes in for the killing blow, and she like does the cool ass anime thing where you hold the an- the hands together to catch the blade as it's coming down. Yep. She snaps the blade, brings it back, and then stabs him right through the fucking chest. Is it the chest or the neck? Um, I can't see from here. Oh, it looks like the neck, yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, closer to his neck. But it looks like they were lovers. She says, I love you and everything, or the- at least close friends. And right at that moment, you see a Jack coming out, and you realize you know, she's back in the real world. Yeah. Um, she's pulling on a very, very close Ellen Ripley cosplay. <laughs> she's <laughs> yeah. in nothing but panties and a fucking loose white tank top, you know. She'd get off of her, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it turns out this whole thing was a test. Yeah, it was all a training program to see if, um, she, like, if she'd be able to fucking hold her, her, will and beliefs i guess and not be willing to fucking betray everybody yeah which i feel like if they did that for the first matrix we would have screened out cypher a while ago no shit though uh but this guy he looks like commander Locke. like it's probably not but that guy looks exactly like commander Locke, the one in the green ta- uh vest right here yeah that looks like him in my opinion yeah i can kind of see that but um i mean it's hard to tell with this art style too but um she punches the guy in the face because, you know, obviously she's upset. I don't know if, like, she knew that's how that training simulation was going to end. Uh-huh. But it, it kind of makes sense of her to be upset when she gets pulled out of that because that, that's a fucking heart-wrenching thing. Like, Yeah, you just killed your friend <laughs> slash lover, and you had to go... You, you experienced that, whether it was a deception or whatever. You experienced that. Yeah. Um. So that, that ends that episode. <laughs> she slams the fucking button, goes up the elevator... Really fucking cool episode. Like it was maybe six minutes, but yeah, the art Sometimes style. Six was... minutes is all you need. God damn it! <laughs> the art style was beautiful. I love the art style. Love the combat, the anime, like the, the 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 style of the character characters being drawn. Really fucking cool. Yeah, the cell shading and everything. That dark 
the dark darks and the bright contrast of like the reds and the whites, you know, very reminiscent of like feudal Japan, you know, art styles and, you know, things of that you would find of that time period, dark, yeah. dark, bright, vibrant reds and whites with black contrast. Yeah. Um, but no, they, they did a really good job with that. I like the art style on it a lot. Yeah. That one was a, that was a, that was a, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice. Uh, fourth episode, world record. Interesting idea. The art style fucking irritates me. Oh, I hate the art style on this one so fucking much. Like the faces that the characters make in this, they just—they're goofy. Their their body proportions are drawn so out of whack. It looks unnatural as hell. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen that? <clears throat> that image of Captain America where he's drawn sideways and his chest <laughs> is like three times bigger than his body. Yeah. And it's the most freakishly mutant thing. And that art, that art style or that, that comic book um, artist is known for those goofy ass fucking proportions on, on humans. Yeah. And <laughs> that's what this reminds me of is that the, the proportions of each human being drawn is so jank and fucking it just looks unnatural. It's unpleasing to look at. And it tries to do that like dark contrast between the blacks and the uh, almost the blacks and the whites, <laughs> um, the dark blacks and vibrant colors. Well, actually all the colors are muted. Yeah. They're all just kind of like grayscale. Yeah. It's like a grayscale with like very few, you know, bright, vibrant colors coming through with that dark cell shading. Um, and all the bodies are drawn out of proportion. But anyways, this episode goes with, I forget his character's name. It doesn't really matter. He's doing an Olympic race. Yeah. And they keep telling him, if you race again, you'll blow out your, you blow out your fucking quads or whatever. Yeah. You're going to, you'll basically make it to where you won't be able to run ever again. Like he's going to damage his body to the point where it's not possible for him to compete anymore. Yeah. So. He goes into this race knowing that he's pushing his body to the absolute limit. He's been worn time and time again. And he does do the race. And midway through the race, his fucking legs like give out and rupture. His yeah, it's almost like he, he tore a fucking, uh, like his ACL or something. And you, you see his muscles ripple. And there's this almost like a blood splash effect to really emphasize the fact that he fucked himself up. Yeah, but he keeps running. Like, oh God, that's so... That's so vibrant and vicious, like just blood everywhere. Let me see if it'll show here in a second. Right here. Yeah, and we... Oh, it bubbles. Well, we start to see, it almost looks like his muscle is rebuilding itself as he's running. Think Um, so? Well, yeah, because I mean, like, when it popped, his leg went really small. And then just there, you get to see the muscle kind of bring itself back. Like, he's breaking the code of the Matrix to fix himself. You might be right. Um... And one thing that we didn't really mention is at the start of this race, there's these guy, there's this guy that's watching him from up in the stands, making comments to someone clearly over like, you know, an earpiece of an agent. And they're talking about not letting him wake up. And uh, yeah. as he's getting closer to the end of this race, three of them pop up from behind him, trying to catch him. Uh, and everything goes like green, like that typical matrix uh, color and feel as he's trying to reach the end of this race. Yeah. Everything slows down, and like you said, he his mind is becoming stronger than his body. Like even though technically his legs are giving out because of his sheer fucking will and his mind being so strong, he's just pushing through it. 
and that like breaks the matrix. He's like the John Wick of Olympic runners right now. Like his <laughs> sheer will is fucking pushing him forward. Yeah. So they're saying don't let him wake up. Obviously, like you said, and then agents, the other runners turn into agents to like stop. He's breaking the code. Stop him. <laughs> stop. You violated the law. <laughs> <laughs> and what ends up happening is he runs so fast. He actually like wakes up in the real world in the tank. Yeah, we get to see um, the binary code start popping up in front of him, and then he wakes up in the tank. And um, one of the you know the machines comes up and fucking checks him out, and he gets locked in place inside the tank. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like a video game where you have a big open world and you like travel too fast or you run too fast. Yeah, and the game engine doesn't have enough time to render the world ahead of you, <laughs> so the whole world just breaks. Yeah, it reminds me of that. That's essentially what happened. He was pushing his, the, the limits of his mind and his body further than what the Matrix can, like, compute for. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of cool because we see, uh, you know, he obviously gets uh, woken up. He's inside the tank, but then it goes back to the Matrix, and his body just starts fucking ragdolling down the track. Yeah. So, obviously, in the Matrix, he, like, tore his ACL. He's fucked up. Um, he doesn't really remember anything. It's hard for him to remember his experience waking up in the real world. Now he's in a wheelchair and this nurse is like pushing him around and everything. And the agent's like saying he'll never be a problem again. He'll never walk again. And he looks at himself and he starts to like remember a little bit of what happened. Yeah. And he gets up from the chair and he actually gets up, walks and then falls to his knees. So even in this disabled state, he's still pushing the limits of his mind and his body. Yeah, and I kind of, I brought this up when we were watching it the other day. Uh, my theory is maybe this is how the first couple of people started to be able to to break through and get out of the Matrix, is that their their mind was so <clears throat> strong, they actually essentially broke the code and broke free into the real world. Oh. Well, we see that later on with... Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> by Azura, by Azura, by Azura. Yep. So that was the end of that episode. Now we go on to episode five, Kid Story. And if this is the one I'm remembering, I actually really like... Nope. 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 <laughs> <laughs> this episode sucks. <laughs> there's, there's no easy way of putting it. Like, this, this is one of the stinkers. Yeah. We're not going to spend too much time on this. So it's the art style. Let's just get this out of the way. It's drawn like the 1980s music video take on me. Yeah. But worse. <laughs> That's so imagine that art style, but just made worse. And yeah. essentially it, it follows this teenage kid kind of doing a Neo thing where he's talking to someone on the computer, um, asking different questions and things like that. Yeah. Why, why it feels more real when I dream than when I wake up. Uh, he's, he's, yeah. Like you said, playing a Neo <laughs> thing, like a hacker typing into the computer. Uh, what is real? Somebody tell me. So who are you? Am I alone? He's writing into the computer and he's just a high school kid. He's riding his skateboard to school and everything. And I'm just going to fast forward because this episode sucks. Uh, but something to glean, he puts his skateboard in his locker, goes to class. And in his notebook, there's written the word Neo. Yeah. So obviously in this world, Neo has become famous, kind of like Morpheus was when in the first Matrix when Neo knew about Morpheus. Yeah, and we uh, we see him 
as he's writing down in his notebook, it says, get me out of here underneath yeah. Neo. So this kid obviously knows that something's up with the real world. Like, yeah, like beat me up, Scotty, like those fucking uh, <laughs> those uh, people that wear tinfoil hats and say, please, aliens, take me away. Yeah, <laughs> he's doing that right now. Um, his phone goes off in class. The teacher gets pissed off. He turns off his phone, but it rings again. The teacher looks back with this fucking dramatic face like, bitch, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> Uh, I told he, you there would be consequences. I told you to take the wizard staff. <laughs> uh, the the kid says, I, tur- I turned it off, I promise. And he does the baller move. He answers the phone as yep. the teacher's going over there to grill his ass. Uh, they're coming for you. The other person on the line says, they're coming for you. Get out now. Get out. Uh, he's, the kid sees cars, like a black Mercedes or something, pull up in the parking lot. So he yeah. knows that people are coming for him. Yeah, you see three agents get out, and that's when he just straight up fucking starts doing these like acrobatic moves to get the fuck out of the classroom. Yeah, he jumps out the fucking window, and Hunter, look at this scene and imagine take on me. Take <laughs> on me. Take fuck on you, me. It fits so well. <laughs> da, 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 da. He's riding a skateboard down the hallway trying to get away from the agents. Don't keep away. I don't know. Oh, God. Okay, I'll stop doing that. But he's getting away from all the agents on a fucking skateboard. Come on. You're not fucking Marty McFly, dude. Yeah. Like, we got fucking wannabe Tony Hawk here just skating through the fucking high school trying to get away. He does eventually go to the women's restroom, breaks out, and climbs out a window. And then he climbs up a drain pipe onto the roof. And there's like five police officers waiting there for him. Like, dude, this is overkill for one kid. Yeah, dude, there's a bunch of cops up there. There's a couple of agents. And the the principal, or not the principal, the, the teacher somehow is also standing up there with him. Like, yeah. Like he was in on it? Yeah. One of the agents pulls a fucking desert eagle on him, is ready to kill him. He looks back. The kid looks back. And he says, Neo, I believe in you. And jumps off the fucking building. Yeah, and we just see him start to fucking plummet down. Fucking birds fly away and shit. And you think, okay, Neo, I believe in you. Surely he's going to do his Superman thing, fly in there and save this kid, right? No. No. He hits the fucking ground. But apparently this is something new um, to where if you, like, believe hard enough, you can take yourself out of the Matrix. Yeah, like, I think they call it um, self-subjugation. Yeah, it's about to be here. So Neo, the kid wakes up in the real world. Neo's there, and I'm assuming Trinity somewhere. Um, He says, I knew, I knew that you were real, that you'd save me. You saved yourself, kid. But I I can't find the exact moment. Self-substantiation was possible. What the fuck is that? So, I mean, (laughs) clearly that's got to be their term for getting out. When you're substantiated, that's when you're pulled out of the Matrix. Oh. But I don't know. It, it's a fucking stupid episode. It doesn't make any sense. Like anybody yeah. else, if you fucking would have made that fucking jump and hit the ground, you would just be dead. You'd be ded dead. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. It just creates a bunch of more plot holes. Like why didn't Neo just do that? Yeah, exactly. It, it creates that Pandora's box. Like, do we really want to add that to the canon? Like, like force healing. From yeah, Star Wars. Like, okay, now you just fucked the canon for the past six movies. Yeah, no shit, and. I don't know, like, 
I don't really think we needed a backstory on we, the fucking Biazura kid because that's that is who this is. We did not need a backstory on him. It's like Disney Disney's making all these like Disney Plus spinoff shows about random ass characters we don't give a fuck about. Yeah, like did we really do we really need? I don't know if you watched uh what was it Daredevil. Or no, it wasn't Daredevil. It was the Hawkeye TV show. I did not watch that one. No. There, there's a random deaf character who's like the antagonist in that show, and they're making a Disney Plus show about her. Like this, <laughs> this rant. She's yeah, she's like a deaf character in the Hawkeye show. I forget her name. And Disney's just like, or Secret Invasion. Like, did we really need a <clears throat> Disney Plus show about Nick Fury? I don't know. I mean, I get that there's a whole comic book on it and shit, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. They're kind of going a little. A little overboard with all of these spinoffs and things. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that episode sucks. Next episode is called Beyond. And I can't remember if this one was good or not. I... Uh, this one has an interesting concept in it. So, Oh, I actually really like this episode. <clears throat> yeah, this one's cool. So we're in Tokyo, I believe. Yeah. Um, we're set in Tokyo. And there's this young girl. Um, I, her name is Yuki. No, Yuki is the cat. What's her name? I don't know if we ever get her name. Uh, oh, I can pull up cast. Okay, this will take too long. Yeah, I was going to say, there's going to be a lot uh, of people. <laughs> close it, close it, damn it. Uh, there's this young teenage girl, I'm assuming between the ages of like 16, 17. Not that old, maybe 21 at the, old, the oldest. Yeah. This young girl, and she's looking for her cat, Yuki. Um, She's looking for her cat. She goes out, the cat's missing, goes throughout the town, and asking all different people, have you seen my cat, Yuki? This is her bell and everything. And she meets up with a bunch of, like, street kids, like, you know, little tiny kids, like, eight or nine years old. Yeah. And they tell her that her cat is most likely at this abandoned, like, house. Like, yeah, mansion. they refer to it as the, the haunted house. Oh, yeah, and the haunted house. It's supposed to be a place that's quarantined. You're not supposed to go into it. But, you know, they're kids. So you tell them not to do something, they're going to fucking do it. Yeah. We see this overhead shot of, like, the Matrix and the house is all redded out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a warning, like, stay clear. So, and then we see all the kids have approached the house, uh, and weird anomalies start fucking happening. Like, you see, the first thing that happens is you see a can of, like, cat food. And it's just floating. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't know if you ever watched uh, Thor The Dark World. Yeah. Okay, it's that part where Natalie Portman's character, I forget her fucking name. They're, like, throwing the can, and it goes down into the, um... Yeah, it has like an invisible teleporter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she drops it and then it teleports. And these kids, it's that's the same fucking thing. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, they drop the fucking can or whatever down this like little corridor tunnel and it teleports. And the kids are like, sometimes it doesn't come back. And it just teleports right above. This is the same thing where we have this location where the laws of physics and reality are getting warped and bended. Yeah. So the can's floating. All the kids are just, like, playing around and everything. Uh, they're jumping around. They're floating. They're having a good time. Um, weird, anomalous shit just starts happening everywhere. Uh, what else happens? She finds her cat. Finally finds the fucking cat. All the kids are playing. Oh, yeah, here's the scene where the kids are, like, playing a game, like, how close they can get to the floor. Yeah. And, and hover in place. <clears throat> and one of the kids like barely touches the ground with his nose and starts getting a bloody nose. Like, I won. No, no, no. Your <laughs> nose touched the ground. Yeah, cl- you're bleeding. Clearly you hit the ground. <laughs> um, There's this really cool scene where the main girl that we were talking about, there's like this 
feather and it's just like twirling around at like a hundred RPMs a minute or whatever. And she grabs it and you know, time starts slowing and everything. She's having fun. All this is a really cool scene where everyone's just having a fun, magical time. Yeah. Um, it's not really much else to say about it. And and then we get the 2319. Oh dude. Okay. Let's talk about it. This fucking kid is creepy as hell. (laughs) Dude, the way they animated his face is just fucking weird. Yeah, the main right here. <laughs> He's like an evil version of uh uh Double D. Oh yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Um eventually this attracts the attention of like other pedestrians and shit. There's like a cleanup crew that's coming in because obviously the this is in the Matrix, right? Yeah. And the machines realize that this is a glitched area and they blast through the fucking concrete barrier that's the outside perimeter of this mansion and they just start spraying foam everywhere. Like these guys in hazmat suits. Yeah. Like just before these guys break in, you see a, uh, a mass amount of rats starting to flood the area. Mm-hmm. And they're these guys that are breaking in, um, in these like hazmat suits, they're listed as the exterminators. Yeah. 2319. We got through 2319. <laughs> um, so there's obvious, there is an agent there. We don't see him for very long, but there is an agent there, like, overseeing this operation. Yeah. Um, there's other people in hazmat suits. They're escorting the girl off the property. Like, you know, like she's like a protester. They're grabbing her like, get, stop resisting, stop resisting. <laughs> they spray the fucking jizz foam everywhere. <laughs> and, and they try to go back the next day or maybe a few days later. And it's just this... Very ordinary, like concrete fucking parking lot now. Yeah, it's just like it's an empty lot. The kids are still trying to recreate things. Like they're they're throwing the bottle at the ground, seeing if they can get it to come back, and uh, nothing's working. And you see one of them take off. I think it was Evil Double D. Is yeah. one. it's like you know what, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna go elsewhere. Let's go do something else. Can you imagine if that something like that happened in real life? Like as a kid, when your mind can't really process things. Like, like, let's say here in, at the park, uh, I just doxed myself. Holy yes, shit. you did. I'm gonna, <laughs> yes, I'm gonna, you did. I'm going to bleep that out. <laughs> you where, dumb bastard. Where am I at? 50, 57 minutes. I'm going to bleep that out. I don't want to dox myself. <laughs> anyway, uh, here in town. Here in town at the park, um, let's say you go to the park and you like, as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid, you have an experience like that. How would that scar you for life if like you go up to a tree and there's like a little portal on that tree. And then the next day, like a cleanup crew comes in, like like agents, like corporate agents come down, cut the tree down, and it's not there anymore. How scarred for fucking life would you be? Like, I feel like you'd be questioning your sanity the entire time. Like, was it real? Did that actually happen? Or was I just imagining things? Yeah. So these kids are probably fucked for life. Hello, trauma, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to talk with you again. Yeah, I just doxed myself. I'm gonna, yeah, you, uh, I, I'm gonna I can't make, believe you did that. That was, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's pretty much the end of the episode. The kids are all left wondering, like, what the hell happened and everything. Um, and the next episode, let's, it's called A Detective Story. This one, I'm kind of lukewarm on. It, this one's, it's interesting, but weird at the same time. Like, some of the concepts are kind of cool. I like... I like the style that they go with because um, it's very like 1920s, 1930s, uh, like PI kind of art style. Yeah, like LA noir. Yeah. You know, 
private investigator dick you know he's on the don't worry sweetheart i'm on the case yeah and i like the fact like how they have him narrate it too like it just adds to that element of it yeah and the style kind of goes it's like a weird mix like you said of 1920s pa private investigator you know detective noir jazz music in the background it's always raining yeah and modern day technology like in his in this guy's He's a private investigator. I forget his name, but in his office, he has modern day monitors with a fucking typewriter as his <laughs> keyboard. What in the actual fuck? So we have this weird mixing of two different time periods of technology. Yeah. And what's what's weird, too, is he has like, you know, those uh, those old school fucking um, operating Things for like making calls where they have to plug in the different cables. Oh. It's right next to the fucking keyboard. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll connect you. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Jeez, but the private detect private investigator, I I forget his name. Um, but he gets a call, uh, asking about, do you know about the alias Trinity? And this someone on the other line is asking, or offering him a job, right? Yeah, to find Trinity. And as we know, Trinity is from the Matrix films. Yeah, and he's asking, like, what your name is and things like that for the, this person calling him. Um, he's like, well, I'm not going to give you that info. I was like, well, then this this is done. That's not how I do business. They go, well, before you just decline <laughs> this job, go ahead and check your bank your bank account. And he clicks it, and he just has a fuck ton of money that just suddenly got yep. flooded in there. Ding, ding, ding. So this is a very important person that someone wants him to find. Yeah. So he takes the job. And he starts trying to find like hacker circles, you know, trying to get inside that community yep. to try to find Trinity, um, find the Red Queen. So there's lots of Alice in Wonderland, like secrets and breadcrumbs hidden to try to find her. Well, when you think about it, it makes sense because that's what they were doing with the first Matrix film, yeah. especially referring to Trinity. She was the white rabbit. Yep. You know, she, she was the, the, the thing to get to her was to follow the white rabbit. Exactly. Yeah. There was a lot of Alice in Wonderland symbolism in the first matrix and it kind of comes back here yeah i like the fact that they went back to that don't call it a comeback <laughs> i'll <laughs> do it again uh he goes into this uh you know discord reddit chat mod you know discord mod room whatever the <laughs> fuck and he's talking to someone called white pawn or no his his name is white pawn and he's trying to reach the red queen uh do you know where i can find trinity he eventually gets some in information on where to go. Like it's on the corner of six brooks and he goes there. Um, well, he has to kind of like piece it apart. Cause it was a clue. Like, Oh yeah, you're you right. have to find me after the sixth brook. So it was like, okay, I have to get on a train. I have to go here, go there. Um, and the train starts taking off and we see him have to sprint up to the back of the train and just hook onto it to try to fucking get inside. Yeah. So he barely gets on the train in time. And right there, as you, he opens up the door, is fucking Trinity. He's like, I'm, I'm proud of you. You figured it out. You yeah. Were, like, you were testing me. Um, it was all a test and everything. He's like, well, I had, to make, I had to make sure that you were worthy of my time or something like that, she says. Basically, yeah. And then um, he's like, well, why did you come here? He's like, to help you. And then she, she puts up this fucking weird like gun to his fucking eyeball and draws out a fucking a bug a plant yeah it's exactly like what happens to neo 
when Neo first meets meets uh, Trinity, Apoc, and uh, Switch in the car. Yeah, instead and, of having it get pulled out of his belly button, it comes out of his fucking eyeball. Oh, that shit was real. <laughs> she asks him like, uh, "Do you remember having a dream about an eye exam lately?" Yeah, and then he has a quick flashback where he remembers like snips and bits of it where he was like held down against his will and something was inserted in his eye. Reminds me of my trip to fucking summer camp. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But uh the private investigator and Trinity are now on the same team. They go down the uh the hallways of the train and agents appear and there's a shootout inside the fucking cab of the train, the train cars. Uh, they eventually get to the other side of one of the train cars and the private investigator starts getting taken over by the fucking agents. Yeah. He's still plugged into the matrix. He's not yet really freed. So, yeah, so we see Trinity raise her gun and say, uh, like, I'm sorry, Mr. Ash or something like, that. Oh, Mr. Ash's name. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she shoots him and. The agent that was trying to take him over goes away, and this goes back to goes back to him. But seeing him start to get taken over is cool. Like he, lo- it looks like he's glitching out almost. Yeah, something's happening to me. <laughs> I don't oh. want to go. I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want Mr. Stark. I don't want to go. <laughs> but yeah, Trinity has no choice. Like she knows that within seconds he's going to become an agent, and uh, it it brings us back to when Morpheus was talking to Neo inside the training program, and starts talking about all the civilians around him and says, look at these people, lawyers, teachers, police officers, every single one of them, a a human, but until they are freed, they are a danger. They are a threat. Yeah. They can, they can turn into your enemy at a moment's notice, essentially. Yeah. Like, Oh, you saw the woman in the red dress, huh? Look again. And then it turns out to be agent Smith. Yep. So that brings up the premise. Like until you are freed from the matrix, you're just basically a spawn point for the agents. (laughs) They can spawn in on you. It's fucking true, though. Yeah. (laughs) So sadly, Trinity has no choice. He has to kill him while she still has that few seconds of precious time. Yeah. Like, she doesn't want to do it, but she had no choice. And this is a really sad scene because Mr. Ash says, I can't get my head around it. I'm old-fashioned. He starts seeing the world around him, but he's kind of a boomer. And yeah. he can't really wrap his head around it. And Trinity says, for what it's worth, I think you could have handled the truth. Yeah. That's kind of sad. Like, if Mr. Ash was freed maybe a little bit earlier, he could have been, like, on the crew. Exactly. With like, Neo. And he could have been one of the crew members that we saw in the movie. Yeah. That's kind of sad. Because he was a kind of a cool character. You know, like a P- uh, private detective and everything. Um, Trinity... Uh, says goodbye to Mr. Ash, blows out the window of the fucking train, makes his escape. The agents quickly follow, and Mr. Ash, surprise, <laughs> he's got to get that one last cigarette, and he's drawn his gun on the agents, and that's where the episode ends. We don't yeah. really see him shoot his gun. That's just the end of the episode. Yeah, we just kind of see his gun waver back and forth as he's aiming between two of the different agents, and uh, it goes to Black, so he goes to the light a cigarette and that's it yep what do you think about that one you know i it's like i said I, I like the art style in it um and i like the fact that they brought in more of the alice in wonderland type stuff from that first the first movie um overall i feel like it was it was decent yeah it's definitely one of the better ones yeah like a seven yeah. seven or eight out of ten at most 
the next episode is called Mate Mat Mat What the What the fuck? Matriculated. Matriculated. I gotta make sure I have that right. It's hard to fucking see this one because he has the matrix code going through everywhere. Well, that and it doesn't pop up all the fucking words that, or all the letters at once. It just kind of fucking trickles them in. You yeah, piece it together. So you got to pause it at the right time. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> matriculated. Oh god, this one, Hunter. Before we start this one, what do you think about this? This one, I don't know. This one, it do, it doesn't make sense. Like, because if we don't, if we're on the same page, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. No, we can we can kind of glance over this one. So. Basically, what we see here is uh, one of the, the humans is hanging out with this weird fucking monkey thing out in the real world. Uh, yeah, post-apocalyptic nuclear wasteland. Yeah. Um, and the monkey is like almost like an, like, like an android. That's yeah. That's kind of how I get it. Oh, yeah, because he can, the operator can see through the, like, the lemur's eyes or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, and they talk about these two machines that are coming towards them, uh, that I guess are called runners. Yeah. Um, and they pop up and she's like, oh, I can get away from watch this. And rather than take off before they get out of the fucking water, she waits for, waits for them to get literally within like 10 feet. And then she goes like, like fucking Scooby-Doo, dude. Yeah. This episode kind of sucks. It has a really cool idea. But the art style, it's like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but like even more like we talked about how the body proportions are really awkward in that fucking running episode. Yeah. This one has that same problem. Yep. Where the body, the human body is just drawn in such an awkward and fucking weird way. It's so distracting. Yeah. Like her waist is way too fucking tight. Her facial features are like really broad. It's just awkward to look at. And all the other characters are the same way. Yeah. Um, it does have like visually the colors are really cool. Like you have really bright colors and everything mixed with the dark contrast, like dark blues and dark blacks and everything. The bright reds of the machine eyes, like visually the colors look cool, but it's the art style that annoys the fuck out of me. Yeah. And I mean, basically the whole concept of this episode is the humans are trying to what the fuck he made a little baby i didn't notice he, that before yeah the the runner pooped out a little like recon drone yeah um so the humans are trying to take the machines and reprogram them so that way they'll fight for them but they're politically correct so they don't want to reprogram them they want to convince them yeah in order to convert them they want it to make it to where it's the choice. machines choose to do it they don't force it yeah they're trying God, it's just like a fucking protester, like, save the earth, you know, we can all coexist. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the vibe I get from this, is we, we can't program the machines, that doesn't make us any better. It has to be their own, their own choice. We have to convince them to choose to do better. Yeah. It's, it's fucking dumb. Uh, yeah, the two recon drones or whatever, the runners, go into this base where they got the thermal signatures of the humans hiding out. Uh, they open up a door and here's a, a good robot. You can tell it's a good robot because it has green eyes. <laughs> it's eyes are green. They're yeah. not red no more. Yeah. So that's how you tell it's a good robot. Um, God, I really, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on this episode. It's the story wise. It's all over the place. Uh, basically the humans are trying to, like Hunter said, reconvert machines to be good guys and try to convince them. So 
there's a cool idea that in order to convince them, the machines are actually plugged into the matrix. Yeah. Instead of the humans. Cool idea, but not executed in the best way. Yeah. Because when we go into the matrix, it's like a it's like an acid trip, right? It's like an an eye fuck fest that you can't really process. The colors are way whack. Like it's there's god rays everywhere, like right here. Yeah, right here. So it's just very hard to understand. Like when the machine is in the matrix, all the humans <laughs> This guy does like an attack on Titan, fucking Titan run like la 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 la. But the colors are so distracting. Yeah, it, it's very bright and kind of harsh on the eyes. It's, yeah, like, it's like your eyes are being, I almost, I want, I'm trying to, like, rein it in just a little bit because if I say the wrong word, I, I probably will get, like, blacklisted or something on Spotify. <laughs> but it's just, like, an eye gouging. Like, your eyes, it's just too bright of colors. It's hard to understand what's going on. But... What happened? What's up happening is the machine that they convert becomes good, and the facility gets attacked by the rest of the machines that they called in. Right? Yeah. And all the humans die. The machine is able to save the main woman. Oh no no, he tr the machine tries to save her, but her mind can't process it. She like freaks the fuck out. Yeah. So he the machine that they were able to convert plugs both himself and the main. Uh, chick in this episode back into the matrix and she starts you know freaking out and panicking because she wasn't ready for it and he's just like slowly floating towards her and you see her scream and grasp her head in pain and then she collapses yeah her mind i think she was already technically dead like her body was dead but her mind still was alive you know like when your body dies the mind's alive for a couple minutes and then it dead yeah that's probably what he did is like he tried to save her life by putting her in the matrix permanently and she freaks the fuck out. Yeah. So pretty much everyone is dead. And there's the one machine that's now good. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Like, I get what they were trying to do with it. But it just, eh, I, I don't know. I didn't like it personally. I, I thought it was shit. It had a cool idea. It was just, it took way too long. The, the, the Matrix scenes were an eyesore. Like, they, yeah. were, they were actually difficult to fucking watch. Yeah, it was not a pleasant experience to sit there and watch all of it just because all the colors are too bright. Like, it's it's like your eyes are just getting blasted with these very bright, vibrant colors for no reason. Yeah, it's essentially an acid trip that is very unpleasant to watch. Yeah. So, uh, this last episode is just called The Animatrix. And I think this is the live-action one. It is. Or not live-action. The uh, it's Like, 3D. 3D animated one. Yeah. This one... I have mixed feelings on. Yeah, this one, I don't know, it's it's weird. This it starts out with uh these two guys or th this guy and this woman um that are clearly in a training program with blindfolds on and katanas uh doing a sparring session blindfolded. Yeah. And the fight just progresses. They're they're taking little jabs out of each other and there's all from the get-go, you can tell there's a little sexual tension, right? Yeah, they like... They start cutting off pieces of each other's clothing. Uh, my... What I initially thought was, this is the, the strangest form of foreplay I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, so they start... They're obviously in the Matrix in a training program. They're sparring. It's a little playful, right? Like, no one's in any real danger. Yeah. Uh, they're fighting with, like... Those aren't katanas. Those are more like... Shotos. 
are they called shotos? It's like a Chinese sword. Oh no, he has a katana, and she has some kind of like Chinese short sword. It looks like an ass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so <as we laughs> he fucking he cuts away the last little bit of her clothing where she's just in her underwear, and then you see him lift up one side of his blindfold, and be like, "Oh," and oh puts it back down. Oh my! Yeah, she's got like some kind of Chinese oh, she does. short sword. His is a katana. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're just they eventually cut down so much clothing to where they're just down in their bare underwear. <laughs> um. And eventually they're about to kiss, and then they get like a notified that incoming, incoming. Um. Oh, I can actually freeze frame it right here. It showed a very quick frame of what their ship is called. If I can close it right, it's the Osiris. Oh yeah, because it's it's the last trip of the Osiris or something like that. Yeah, made in the USA, year 2079. That's kind of cool. Ooh. I didn't notice that before. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's like a, fr- a split second of a frame, but that's kind of cool. And that, that, that goes to show, like, we were just talking about this. Everything that they have in the war is antiquated stuff from the very beginning. Yeah. Like, they don't make new ships. They don't make new clothing. They don't make new weapons. It's all shit from the very beginning. It's like Terminator. Yeah. Oh, dude, that kind of brings up the point. Like, um, you know, when the the people in or the, the the senators and shit in the second movie are just like, oh, throw all the ships. In reality, they're like, they're throwing away everything that they fucking have because they're not gonna have shit afterwards. Mm-hmm. They can't rebuild the ships. Yeah, it's that's why it's it pisses me off so much. Like, oh, we're gonna ship and two. <laughs> the fucking stupid council. Uh but anyway, they go back into the real world. There's the crew of the ship, the Osiris. We don't really know anyone's names, but they are reading a massive Sentinel army on the scopes. Uh, directly above them, I believe they're in the sewers. Yeah, they're in the sewer systems. Um, they're, in the sh- they're in their ship, the Osiris. They're getting tracked by the Sentinels. And this is when everybody, man the guns, man the guns. They're getting chased. Really cool action sequence. I, I, like, I liked it in the movies where the ship was getting attacked. And they had all the different miniguns shooting the Sentinels as yeah. they were getting chased. Uh, and here we, here we get to do it again. Pretty cool scene. The CGI, I gotta say, I don't know when this movie came out, but the CGI for this is actually really fucking good. Yeah, it's actually pretty decent. It's pretty decent. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so the ship breaks through the surface, uh, or breaks through the pipes and emerges on the surface. And that's when the crew discovers there's a massive fucking army with drills going down into the earth. And that's when the, the, the light bulb goes off in their head like, oh shit, what's directly below us, like 30 kilometers down or whatever? Yeah, like this is just before um, the final battle of Zion. Yeah, so this is technically a prequel to the movies. Yeah, the, I like the fact that they had it set to that time frame to where we could... Um, see what the machines were doing before they already had the drills punching through into the ground. Yeah. So there's millions of fucking sentinels. Uh, they try to get away in time. You know, they start running away from the fucking sentinel army. They're on the surface, you know, barreling through destroyed skyscrapers and everything. And I forget her name, but she's the Asian, the Asian actress. She's like, I need to get a message to Zion. The only way is through the matrix. We can't hardline in right now. So she makes the decision to go back into the Matrix to try to send a message to Zion. Yeah. Um, they have a little kiss goodbye with the African-American and the Asian woman. Uh, so they were lovers, apparently. Yeah. 
Um, oh, Thaddeus and Jew. Okay, so Thaddeus is the African American guy. Jew is the Asian woman. Um, she he uh, Thaddeus plugs Jew back in the Matrix. Says, "Fly, baby, fly." And this is pretty cool. Like, I wish we got more of this. Yeah, I do too. Like, it kind of has a uh, reminiscent feeling of when we see Trinity running through the Matrix, and I, I like that a lot. That we get to actually see more of the the acrobat. Um, like movements uh yeah we see jew in the matrix not in just a training program but in the actual matrix it's all color graded green and everything just like we remember it yep and she's in her fucking um like tight leather latex as we have come to know the matrix you got you got to have some kind of tight form-fitting leather and sunglasses (laughs) and so she's in her costume and everything she's she bursts through a fucking window through a skyscraper uh, is jumping through fucking buildings and everything. It looks really cool. She dives through a power plant like fucking conduit or whatever. She's yeah. sw- but you get to see her do all these cool like flips and things to get down um from roof level to the ground. And then eventually we get to see her do the fucking classic superhero landing. Yeah. <laughs> all the the um asphalt and stuff around here does like that the little, wave yeah mm-hmm. the traditional wave you know yeah kind of like when neo goes to take off to do a superman thing yeah it's showing how the matrix in that moment is being bended a little bit yeah so it's pretty cool uh in the real world all the turret gunners are getting like oh fuck <laughs> in the real world obviously the 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 ship is trying to get away from all the machines all the turret gunners, they're slowly dying off one by one. Yeah. The sentinels are boarding the ship, cutting through with lasers and shit, and just they're just grabbing all the fucking turret gunners and killing them. Yeah. Like that one scene with that girl, the tentacle just like goes right through her stomach. Straight into her guts. Yeah. There we go. Back to the fucking last there, there movie, There you baby. go, Kale, and we have another gut... An, another, another gut turducken. <laughs> another turducken. <laughs> uh... But the machines finally break down the ship. The, the ship crashes, and we have a scene with Jew. Apparently, she just has a little postcard. What does she drop? Is it a cell phone? I can't remember. It looks like kind of a just a package. We don't really know what's in it. Let me see. It doesn't really show it. Yeah, some kind of a package. She's dropping it off in a fucking USP. Oh, it's like a VHS or something. Almost, yeah. Uh, she drops it in a USPS, you know, post little bin, you know, little little drop box and everything. So yeah, <laughs> I like how the grandma says, "I hope, I sure hope it gets to where it's supposed to go." These days, you never know. Yeah, like, you're putting the fate of the human race on the American Postal Service. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Um. The African-American dude, I already forgot his name. Thaddeus. Thaddeus. It's like the last stand, right? The ship is broken. The ship's <clears> crashed. And the machines are breaking through. He's got his electricity gun. Uh, and the ship just explodes. And we get... An, we haven't really seen this in a while. But when your body dies in the real world, in the Matrix, you just drop. <laughs> yeah. So we get to see Jew just... She drops her phone and collapses in the middle of this alleyway. And the camera slowly starts to pan up, going up towards the sky. And, I mean, that's that's kind of the end of this episode. Yep. that's And everything turns into Matrix code. And, you know, we can infer that that's how the humans got wind that there was an army approaching. Yeah. So that actually bought them time. So yeah. their, their mission was a success. I, this, this episode, I love it, but I also hate it. Because it was so short. 
Yeah, I wish that this one would have been a little bit longer, you know, could have taken place of fucking Azura's kid. Uh, it it could have yeah. taken his spot and been able to, you know, go a little bit more in depth and have it to where it was, it was uh, drawn out a little bit more. Yeah. And that is the end of the Animatrix. Uh, gosh. We, because this is just a, like a little one-offer, we don't really have a talking point recap. But as I said, we would kind of do like a little summary. So, Hunter, what did you think? What are your thoughts overall on this little anthology film? Um, overall, even with the the stinker parts that they have in it, I liked it a lot because it gives you a different perspective on everything in the Matrix. It makes it to where like you can see things from different points of views and things like mm-hmm. i i like it a lot i i kind of treat it as like a loose canon right yeah you know obviously maybe it's not like like halo legends or not halo legends like star wars legends you know how like a lot of that old canon was made not canon by disney yeah but it, there's still like remnants of that like thrawn yeah Thra- thrawn was legend stuff but he was made into canon yeah like there's stuff that you can pull from this to make it canon like i i like the ideas that they presented in it for the most part there are some things that you know i don't like like fucking uh by azura jumping off a fucking building and then suddenly popping out in the real world so like, that was fucking stupid <laughs> so i guess if you want to get out of the matrix you just jump off a building and kill yourself you know what yeah i'll just fucking i'll off myself it's fine and i'm gonna wake up in the real world and somehow neo is gonna just fucking know where i'm at yeah it's fucking stupid it makes no sense but there was some really cool ideas that were brought up you know like the idea of uh that haunted house mansion like there's a glitch in the matrix and how it's like okay the game developers release a buggy game there's a few glitches and they patch it out but that's the real world i know it's almost like we're talking about cyberpunk already (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah no like that's that's one thing that i like a lot too and i like that um from the machine's perspective that it had the house lit up as red. Like they knew that there was a problem in that area. Yeah. But until it got enough traction, they weren't going to fix it. Yeah. Maybe they were busy patching other areas in the matrix and they're like, all right, we got a work order in. We'll do it on Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) It's scheduled for later in the week. It's going to be fine. Yeah. But in my opinion, I really liked this, this anthology series. You like, especially the first two episodes, the, second renaissance where showed the beginning of the human war yeah i loved that like i you know me i love like terminator i love post-apocalyptic sci-fi movies and that 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 checked every fucking box on that oh yeah um and then the japanese episode which was the third one the racing one you know with the the jogger had a cool idea the art style was fucking annoying yeah, the idea of, you know, your mind being strong enough to be able to break itself free, that's cool, but it's like you said, the art style and it was it's very distracting. It was too distracting. Um and then the Biazura kid, we didn't need a backstory for him. Yeah, no. Um the the Tokyo house, cool idea, you know, kids just being kids and everything. That art style was pretty good. Yeah. I like that one. Um and then there was a few others in there. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but and then the 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 uh the 3D one was really cool, but it was way too short. Yeah, I wish that um I think technically the, it's called like the last flight of the Osiris or something like that. Um, uh, I wish that they would have expanded on that because that was a really cool episode. Yeah, I kind of wish the whole movie was just that. 
Yeah, I would I would take that. <laughs> that feels like it had ideas for being a much more much larger film and been like, okay, we only have the budget to do like eight minutes. Yeah. So anyway, that is our opinions on the Animatrix overall, probably eight out of ten. Yeah. Um and honestly, like I would recommend checking it out. Uh it's whether for- you're a Matrix fan or not, just because it has different concepts and things to it. So um it's for free on amazon yeah for right now if by the time this episode when we were looking for ways to buy this movie we're like okay i can buy it on voodoo for 10 bucks i'm like okay let me try amazon and like rent for zero dollars damn for free i gotta watch it for free is mine (laughs) and then you could buy it for two dollars and 74 cents i'm like okay maybe one day i'll get high and i want to watch it again (laughs) so for two dollars that's not a bad deal yeah um but anyway this has been virtual tavern uh Again, our email is contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com. If you'd like to send us any emails, we will read it on the next episode. Uh, we are going to be taking a little bit of a break. for. We're going to have a, probably a, a week gap in our recording. So in that time, I'll probably upload the much highly requested drunk cut of yeah. one of our episodes. I just got to, I have to like, rest, not remaster it. I have to do some AI editing to, because it's an older episode on our older equipment. Yeah, so the quality isn't going to be as good, but um, I will not be here for recording um, for our next session. So that's kind of a way for us to be able to get you guys that highly requested episode while also um, keeping content going. Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to do Matrix 4. And, <laughs> and we have some cool projects in the works. Like I, I just got an audio interface with four channels. So myself, Hunter... Uh, Melanie and our good buddy Jeremy can all be on the show again. Yeah, and we'll finally get Jeremy back. I mean, it's it's been quite a while since he was on. Yep. He was only on our third episode. And we have plans for, an, I don't want to spoil anything, but we have plans for an interactive like little game that yeah. we're going to do on the show here in a couple of weeks. And it's, it's going to be a good time. We're hopefully going to have everybody on and it'll be, it'll be a good one. So yeah, I think you guys are going to like it a lot. It'll be, it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. So anyway, that's our email. Um, Nothing else left to say. Let's move on to greener, not, not greener pastures. <laughs> we have to take our medicine and then we'll move on finally to cyberpunk. Yes, I am looking forward to getting through this last movie of The Matrix. So that way we can finally move on to a different subject and, um, you know, kind of be able to mix things up a little bit. Yep. Yeah, we've been on The Matrix for like two and a half months. Yeah, it's it's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. And then we're going to go on Cyberpunk for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it'll be fun. Yeah. Anyway, my name is Adam Edgar. I'm Hunter Chambliss. And we will catch y'all later. I don't want to say goodbye. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>